Chapter 8 of Ashton Kirk, Secret Agent, by John Thomas McIntyre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Pete Milan. Chapter 8 The House on Fordham Road. It was a few hours later that the big car drew up at the house on Fordham Road. There was a crowd of loiterers at the gate, open-mouthed and marveling at everything they saw. And these at once gathered about the car, scenting a possible sensation. But Ashton Kirk, followed by Fuller, pushed his way unceremoniously to the gate. And a few words to the policeman on guard there admitted them to the lawn. One of the first persons they saw at the house was Osborne, the burly central office man, who stood upon the porch smiling expansively and talking with a couple of alert young fellows who listened with interest. "'I see that friend Osborne has the ear of the reporters,' said Ashton Kirk, amusedly. "'And to all appearances he is not losing any advantages which the situation might have.' "'He looks good-natured enough to have had some luck,' commented Fuller. When Osborne caught sight of them, he broke into a laugh. "'Hello!' cried he. He came forward and shook the secret agent by the hand. "'I rather thought you'd poke your learned head above the horizon this morning.' "'It pleases me to be borne in mind,' smiled Ashton Kirk, good-naturedly. "'But what are the developments?' "'Oh, several little things have taken occasion to occur.' replied Osborne, his broad face beaming. One of them is that we have nailed the man with the bag. It was Philip Warwick, beyond a doubt. Ah. He was seen a block from here, walking rapidly along the road, the bag still in his hand, by a market gardener driving into the city. The gardener knows Warwick very well by sight, having been in the habit of selling greens to the Eastbury people along this way. He says he spoke to the young man in a friendly way as he went by, but Warwick paid no attention. The gardener says he went right on without even turning his head. That seems to be definite enough, commented the secret agent. But that's not all, stated Osborne, with a widening of his already broad smile. You see, I got to thinking over what the market man said, and an idea struck me. Warwick was going north while the Eastbury Station is south from here. I asked a question or two, and learned that Hastings is the next station north, and a much more important one than this, by the way. A timetable told me that a New York train stopped at Hastings at 11.15. It was about 10.35 that Warwick was seen on the road. Suppose he was making for this train. I called up the Hastings stations and found that that's just what he was doing. The night operator sold the ticket to a tall young man in a light suit who carried a big leather bag and boarded the 1115. That, said Ashton Kirk, sounds rather neat and complete. I congratulate you. Osborne coughed self-consciously. I thought it was rather good myself, he said. The New York police have a detailed description and are out looking for him. I'm trying to dig up a photograph or two to send them because they're 
a little shy of picking people up on a description alone. Here, one of the reporters stepped up to Ashton Kirk. Pardon me, said he. My name is Evans, and I represent the Star. Oh, yes. Ashton Kirk looked at him with attention. I have noticed your work, as you are permitted to sign it. Your specialty is the comic aspect of things. Are you not somewhat out of your way on a murder case? It is unusual, but then it might not be altogether barren in results. If I can pick up a few points that will bear distortion, I might produce a novel column. He put his hands in his trousers' pockets and swayed backward and forward. I understand that you were here last night before the police arrived. Perhaps you could tell me... But here Osborne interrupted him with a laugh. If you listen to this fellow, said he to Ashton Kirk, he'll have you saying things you never meant to say, and he'll be attaching meanings to them that you never meant to give them. Now just for that, said Evans, unruffled, I'm going to give you a panning. All right, my boy, said the big man. Go ahead, I'm used to all that. Then Osborne drew the secret agent into the hall. I'm glad you've come, said he, his face more serious than it had been all along. There's a little thing in connection with this case that has me winging. It's all right to put on before them paper fellows out there, with a nod toward the porch, because it don't do to let the people think the police can be put up a tree. It makes them lose confidence, you see. Ashton Kirk nodded. And then, if the department people show a sign of not being as well up on a subject as they might be, went on the detective, the press gets onto them and maybe puts in pictures and all that. The funny fellows like that Evans are the worst of all. I make believe I don't mind him. But honest, I'd rather go against a second-story worker with the swag on and a gun in his fist than that same young man. There was a pause and Osborne began shooting the heavy bolt of the hall door backward and forward. This is the thing that I can't get, he proceeded after a little. These bolts and locks and window fasteners, every one of them was doing business last night. The whole place was tight as it could be. Are you following me? Go on. That this young secretary fellow did for Dr. Morse, I'm positive. But whom did he have in with him? Which of the other three in the house helped him in the job? One of them did, sure. For somebody had to lock the door or window behind him when he left. That is a compact little problem in itself, said Ashton Kirk, and the solving of it might be of interest. But why devote so much attention to young Warwick? Don't forget that there may be other aspects to the case. Osborne stared at him in astonishment. "'Well, say,' spoke he, "'you do beat all sometimes. "'Of course there's other sides to the case, "'but Warwick is the center, "'and my attention is going to stick right there all the way. "'Once I nab him and get his why and wherefore, "'all the rest will be plain sailing.' "'We have discussed methods before now,' smiled Ashton Kirk and I scarcely think there would be anything gained by going over the ground again. However, 
I will say this. Nothing is gained by riveting one's attention upon one phase of a matter. The only effect it has is to blind one to everything else. Keep your mind open. Then you will be ready to accept facts, no matter from what point they come. Osborne smiled broadly. You sound good anyway, said he. I always did like to listen to you. It's like as if you were reading out of a book. But just the same, I'm going to stick to Warwick. He's the fellow for my money. The things that we've got on him don't happen just by accident, as you'll find out when the case comes to trial. The secret agent remained in conversation with the headquarters man for some little time longer. He learned that a deputy coroner had viewed the body, and that the inquest was to be held later in the day. "'And say,' said Osborne, as they once more went out upon the porch, which was now clear of the newspaper men, "'Don't think because I don't hold to your way of looking at the matter that I ain't glad to have you in this. The fact is I'm just as tickled as can be. Because you've really got some moves that are rather smooth.' I know, because I've watched you work them. But don't waste the good gifts by chucking them all around. Get after Warwick. There's the profitable end of this hunt. Take it from me. Osborne then went to speak to the policeman at the gate, and with Fuller, Ashton Kirk made his way around upon the north side of the house. Holding to the hedge, they slowly skirted the lawn. After a little, the secret agent paused. "'So,' said he, and Fuller fancied there was a note of surprise in the voice. Our friend Okiu was not drawing entirely upon his imagination. Here, pointing to a ragged place in the top of the hedge, evidently only recently made, is where Warwick leaped over the fence. His foot caught, and he almost fell. "'See there!' pointing to the opposite side. The soil is bare and soft, and his feet sank deep as he landed. The lawn was smooth and hard at the front and sides, and the grass cut very short. No trace of any sort was to be seen upon it. But at the rear, and especially close to the house, there were a number of bald places. Servants are never so careful as the family said the secret agent. Here there were numerous tracks, one upon the other. After only a glance, Ashton Kirk passed on toward the south side of the house. Away from the rear doors, the confusion ceased. But some of the footmarks continued. Osborne has been looking about, said Ashton Kirk, pointing to a broad, blunt-toed impression. Here is his track, apparently coming from the rear door. But he did not put in much time, as the track halted and doubled upon itself. His coming out at all was merely perfunctory, I suppose, for the fact that the doors and windows were fast before and after the crime was done is enough for him. They drew nearer to the window which opened from the room in the rear of the library. Then... Fuller heard an exclamation, and saw his employer bend close to the ground. "'What is it?' 
he asked. A woman, said Ashton Kirk. Fuller examined the ground. Sure enough, there were the tracks of a slim, delicately shod foot, the high heels having sunk deep into the soft earth. There's a man's track, too, cried Fuller, as he noted a series of heavier prints. But Ashton Kirk made no reply to this. A few rapid steps took him to the window above mentioned, and he searched the low sill. It may mean nothing after all, said Fuller. Curiosity probably induced some people to venture into the grounds this morning in order... A man and woman entered the back room by this window, said Ashton Kirk. I don't like to put myself in an attitude of continued protest, said Fuller, but these low windows are commonly used that way. You see, it's only a step to the lawn. Ashton Kirk nodded. As you say, he agreed, these low windows are commonly used in that way but only when the rooms into which they open are also in common use. I see what you mean, said Fuller. This back room is private. Old Nanon said the door was always kept locked. He remained gazing at the other for a moment, apparently pondering the new aspect which this discovery gave the situation. Well, what do you think it means? A woman and a man entered this room by the window. The latter had been left unfastened, because it shows not the slightest indication of having been forced. And when they departed, the window was refastened, perhaps not at once, but as soon after as possible. You think... Fuller paused, his eyes wide. If you heard a slight noise in the back room while you were in the library, some time after the murder, what would you think? Why, we discussed that this morning, returned Fuller. It was Drevinoff, beyond a doubt. He waited in the hall after you told him to go to the police station. Then he stole into the rear room and replaced the window catch. And this being so, it was he who admitted the woman... And the man? Ashton Kirk smiled as he asked the question. The man? Fuller's face grew blank. Why, the man must have been Warwick. And if it was, after a moment, why did he require to be admitted to the house by a side window when he could have gone in by the front door? If Ashton Kirk intended to reply to this, he had no time to do so, for at that moment they heard a step behind them, and looking around, they saw the well-knit figure and expressionless face of Okiu. End of Chapter 8